Hello and welcome to the second part of an explosive podcast with Wayne McNeil from the Respecting Sport Group. Whether your role in sport is as a parent, a coach or even someone on the board of directors, the impact that Respecting Sport has had on safeguarding future generations of athletes has been immense. I want to quickly look into Respecting Sport and hockey in Alberta. Yep. Somehow you have managed to get all the parents to register and take respect in sport. How easy was that? Well, we built the program in 07, 08, and we started talking about it around that time and people smiled and we didn't hear back from them. And there were a lot of naysayers. You, you, first of all, you can't train parents. Impossible. They've never been trained before. Why would you want to? The argument was, well, parents don't get much education about being a parent, first of all. Second of all, they don't get much, they don't get any education about being a good, supportive sport parent, anything that we could find at the time. So we kept pushing it. And then one day on CTV News, there was a big uh, brawl or a major incident on the sidelines of a hockey game. And it happened in Calgary. The president of Hockey Calgary was interviewed and said, we have a zero tolerance policy. And Sheldon called me up and said, what would that zero tolerance policy be? I said, I don't know. So he, he called up the president of Hockey Calgary and said, can you explain your zero tolerance policy? And the, and the president said, yeah, we don't tolerate this stuff. Well, you don't tolerate it, but do people know what it is? Do they know what you're saying? Is there a line in the sand? What you do tolerate, we don't tolerate? And he went, no, no, come and present to our next board meeting. So we went to Hockey Calgary and presented. And fast forward, in 2010, Hockey Calgary was the first organization in Canada to implement mandatory parent education for one caregiver in each player's family. Researchers were scrambling to study it. Would it work? Are parents going to be upset? It was front page news. It was in the Globe Mail and the National Post. Oh, Hockey Calgary mandates parent program and blah, blah, blah. And then Mount Royal did a research study that came back and the parents said, uh, I didn't like taking it when I heard about it. But once I got through it, I realized there's things that I should have been doing long ago and I'm going to do from here on in mm. um, as a responsible and caring sport parent. And fast forward today, you've got every organization in hockey in the country using it with a couple of small pockets of exceptions. And Alberta is the first province to say, not only it is a requirement the first time you enter your kid to play, but you've got to retake it four years later and it's a brand new program, totally different issues as you know how quickly they're changing. And so they're the first to recertify and many are starting to follow suit. So. Was it tough? Yes. And as in everything we've done, it's never had anything to do with the program. And I don't think it's ever had anything to do with the price because I think that's a smoke screen, 12 bucks for a parent program. It's got everything to do with leadership. And unfortunately, the sports system in Canada is basically run by volunteers. You're paid staff, but you've got probably a board of people that double the volume of the staff you have. So these people get elected right? Some for all the right reasons, and some perhaps maybe not. And the last thing they got elected to do in their minds is probably to tell somebody in their constituency, they have to take a program to be better. That's probably not their, uh, what they politicized their position to be, but it's leadership. And it's not arbitrary leadership. It's leadership in the best interest 
of the child. And my experience at Alberta Gymnastics was um, when we have these board meetings, they need to be about making the sport better for the kids. We ended up talking about you know, $1 increases of fees, or what color the jerseys would going to be that year? Is every board member going to get to go to national championships and wear the jacket? No, it's got to be about the kids. And that's your clients. That's the reason you exist. So to give parents and coaches tools to make the experience better, and hopefully recruit and retain more kids, that to me, is the goal, and it takes leadership to follow through on that. How, how do you sway leadership to really buy into that, and how tough is that? Well, it depends. Sometimes it's, honestly, sometimes it's super simple, mm. depending on the board, okay? Yeah. So sometimes it's super simple because you got a lot, a lot of like-minded people from business or whatever, and they're like, well, of course, the kids are the priority, so let's do what we can. I can wake up tomorrow morning making this decision and still look in the mirror. There may be other decisions I can't. So there's there's some really easy ones if you get the right people on the board. There's some that are, I would say, moderate, right? But all you need is a lawyer or two in the room. And there's a lot of lawyers on boards. And the lawyers will go, well, hold on a second, risk and liability. Uh, I don't want to have a lawsuit or I don't want an investigation Uh, we better put this program in to cover our butt. I like to think this program is about making good people better and covering your butt is a beautiful byproduct. But if that's what it takes, perfect, because now the kids are still being protected. And then you've got the third category where there's a couple of people, typically not the whole board, but a couple of outspoken people that will say, you know, we don't have the money. This is expensive. We're going to push people away from coaching. We're going to push parents away from registering. And you know what? That is not the case. There's no evidence or proof to ever support that because parents, even more so now, and I mentioned it earlier, are looking for a place where they know their kid is safe and that the priority is on the kid's well-being, not making it to the FIFA World Cup. Yeah, and it's an interesting one looking at sport coming back after COVID. And it's got to come back slightly different from when it went in. We were getting on this stream of really ultra competitive children and we need to change it back. And I know one of the interesting parts in all the training that you're offering is about reporting inappropriate incidents. And Mm -hmm. some people see it as whistleblowing. And, you know, when you look at it, I I often say the codes of conduct are there to support coaches as well against wrongful claims. I think... Yeah, the whistleblowing is one thing, but what we've found, it's pretty tough. I mean, we've got tons of research on the parent program, for example. There's two studies out of the University of Toronto. There's a study out of Mount Royal University, basically concluding that leagues with the parent program are far more likely to be having conversations between player and parent around these issues. Uh, The data supports the fact the program's working. But anecdotally, first of all, when you talk about the whistleblower, sometimes you don't need a whistleblower. Sometimes you just need the confidence on the sidelines, be it hockey or soccer, where 10 parents have all taken the same program, right? And they know where the line is drawn. And it's pretty obvious when the line's being crossed. So if you've got 10 people looking at Fred, who's freaking out at a call, then 10 people or two people in the group can say, you know what, uh, we better go have a little chat with Fred. It's a lot easier to have that chat when it's not just you thinking it, it's everybody knowing it, right? So a couple people go over to Fred and say, hey, Fred, um, I don't know if it was you or your wife that may have taken the Respect in Sport program, uh, 
but perhaps you want to tone it down a bit because this is over the line. And Fred, nine times out of 10, Fred will look and see, you know, parents like-minded often uh, giving him a little bit of advice and he'll completely back down. One time the outrage will continue. But to me, it's about giving good people tools to be better and act in confidence as a collective, not just necessarily as a scared individual trying to figure out if the line was crossed or not. Yeah, see, I like it. And uh, you said about soccer in England, and I've even seen it here where parents have been scared to talk out about coaches because mm-hmm. their child may punish for it. They may lose the place on the team. And so really now with the education on what expectations are from coaches, I think it's it's going to encourage that questioning of a coach's behaviours rather than staying quiet and when you see something inappropriate. Well, exactly. And, you know, I think people fear that it's going to have a negative impact on their kid. Yeah. That's right. The, if, they, yeah. if they speak up. And again, there, I don't know if any, anybody's ever studied it, but I've never really ever heard of a parent that spoke up for the right reasons whose child suffered. They Generally, they can be moved somewhere else. And let's be honest here. Why are you worrying about your kid's career when they're eight years old? They can move to another team. They could go somewhere else. It's not like they're, they've been recruited by you know the national team. So let's put it in perspective, right? And always fault on the side of your kid. Yeah. And set an example. To me, that's what we've got to be doing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the focus is on youth sport, but these coach behaviors, harassment, they happen in adult sport as well. And yeah. how, how do you view that being addressed? Well, I think adults are into a world of their own. Um, and I look at professional sport. If you watch the highlights sometime and you read the lips, it's not necessarily the role models that we're trying to create in amateur sport. So I think there's work to be done there on all fronts. It's funny when you start getting paid and you're a professional, it seems like you can start getting treated poorly again and you can start acting maybe a little bit differently than you were supposed to act uh, when you're an amateur. Uh, I think there's room there Uh, and I can't comment on football or soccer, um, but I can certainly if if you look at the highlights and this is a hockey town, uh, you can read the lips behind the bench. You can read the lips oftentimes of the players. You can see the footage, some of it more about the fight than it was about the game. Yeah. And yet you never see any of that in an Olympic level hockey game. Yeah. So I think there's room in pro sports, if that's what you mean by adult sports, to be a better role model for uh, the up and comers. And I think, you know what, that's going to change because we're just getting to that wave now where you know, we're treating these kids and coaches a different way with higher expectations around uh, psychological wellness. And I think that will transfer. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I've always wondered in hockey and a lot of Canadians will probably frown at me. I remember when I come over many years ago, I went and watched Niagara Fundy uh, youth hockey. And it was fantastic. There was no fights. It was just the game. Yeah, everyone gets excited about a fight. But if those two guys were going at it in the street, they'd be uproar. And so, you know, in a game, we see it in, in soccer as well, where the behavior doesn't reflect what you would do in society. So why do it on the field? Exactly. I think sport needs to be a beacon for society. And I think in, in when it comes to professional sport, we've got room to improve there for sure. And, you know, just thinking back about the parent program, I don't know how many times people have come up to me and said, I despised the thought of having to take your parent program. They're being quite honest with me. Yeah. 
and I was, I'm a good parent and I don't need it. Fred over there, he definitely needs it, but I'll take it begrudgingly. And they say, well, I sat through it for an hour and I came out of it wishing I'd taken it five years ago because I realized I was doing all the wrong things to nurture my kid. And some of it you can turn back and you've got time to do it. And sometimes it's too late. It really um, is the education piece. I've, I've done presentations to parents where I've done a whole list of maybe inappropriate behaviors. And I've asked them, put your hand up if you've done any of these. And of course, they all sit there with their hands down because they're good parents. And I put well, my hand up because I've done something, you know, I've argued at times with a referee or got upset and we've, we've all done it. And I think that's, again, recognizing what you've done in order to address it. Look, if you can point to one parent of a competitive athlete, that hasn't crossed the line in talking to a coach, a ref, or their kid, they would probably be a mannequin in the window of a clothing store. I remember distinctly before even the thought of respect in sport sort of entered my psyche, driving my son home from a gymnastics competition in Edmonton. And he was, I'm going to guess, 15-ish. And I was driving him home and he missed a move that I'd seen him hit 50 times before in the gym. And he knew he missed it. His coach knew he missed it. The judge certainly knew he missed it. And of course, I had to say to him, how did you possibly fall off pommel horse? I've seen you hit that routine umpteen times. And I remember him sitting in the front seat. He just looked over at me and he was uh, a teenager full of enthusiasm. He just looked at me and said, Dad, I have an effing coach. And that was the end of the conversation. And I'll never forget it because he was bang on. And who am I to criticize something like that? I should have been sitting there saying, hey, buddy, your routines were unreal. Uh, Too bad about the pommel. But I'll tell you what, everything else I saw was probably the best I've ever seen. I should have just left it at that. It goes back to John O'Sullivan said it. And I had a friend say this. Oh, I know, John. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a friend say to me, her comment was uh, to her children after every game, I loved watching you play. Exactly. And as a, as a coach come parent, that's my one regret. I really said that as a coach growing up with my uh-huh. children, it was like you say, focused on the, the game. And yeah. now when I watch my children go out and play, even in adult sport, I'm going to watch them play and just enjoy. I won't give well, them feedback unless they ask me. And if they do, I'll ask, do you want it as a coach or as a parent first? Well, it's funny because um, my son-in-law is from Scotland. He's a huge Rangers fan, and you know that rivalry, right? You don't want to even go near the topic. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it's funny because we go and watch my granddaughters playing soccer, and it, he knows the business I'm in. Yeah. So I see him standing <laughs> on the sidelines, and he's about to say something. He looks over at me and goes, oh, my God, I can't say it. My, my father-in-law is here, right? And I'm like, perfect. Then it's sinking into him too. And I, that's all I say to my granddaughters is I love watching you, whatever they're doing, gymnastics or soccer. I love watching you do that. I love just seeing how happy you are to do that. Well, thanks, Papa. And their coach can deal with all the other stuff. So I got one, one last question. Perfect. Question I always ask. You've got a magic wand. What would you change in sport? Well, I would, if I had a magic wand, I would somehow, and I, I think this is uh, very tough, but we've been trying to do it for 17, coming up 18 years, focus on the fun and the pure enjoyment of sport as a parent, as a coach, 
make that your focus and that will become the focus of the kids. And I'm pretty confident that that would increase our pool of kids participating in sport uh, so dramatically at the grassroots level that we would not feel one repercussion in terms of how we perform on the world stage. And I think it's even more, more important now to just enjoy physical activity, period. When you look at, you know, the impacts of childhood obesity, if you look at the impacts of gaming versus getting out and playing, those things are scary um, for the, both the mental and physical development of our kids. And if we don't get back to the pure love of movement, physical activity as the priority, and all of us being on the same page about the psychological uh, needs that come with that, yeah. then I, I think uh, we're not trending in the right direction. So that would be my hope if I had a magic wand and there's lots of us, John, like you and I that are working on that. Yeah. And I don't think it's impossible, but it's about culture change. And I get back to it again, leadership. It's, it's an interesting one when you do see, you know, I was chatting to a friend and bike shops are sold out of even inner tubes now because of COVID and the, the parks are now full of families walking together. And I said it before, parents are realizing they actually like their kids. Whereas yeah. before they were so busy driving them to competitive schedules. Yeah. And I'd love to see that where we step back on the field, like you say, into a more of a play and fun environment that allows yeah. everyone to come together and enjoy being active rather than back to that competitive dredge where it's in the car. Have you got your gear? Go do your best. Come back. Review, you know. Well, if COVID's taught us anything, it's how much more important physical activity is, mm. not just for the body, but for the brain, right? And if we can remember that, make that the focus, we may come out of the pandemic with a few more tools and insights that will help yeah. drive that. And again, it gets back to, we're hearing lots of organizations coming to us now that weren't before saying, we probably need your program more than we've ever needed it before. Absolutely. Right? Be and because kids, parents, and coaches, to be very honest, are coming back into the game with potentially higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of stress. Yeah. So before we can get to this utopian environment, we got to give them the tools to calm it back down to, to a level of uh, general participation. No, and it's a great message because I've, I've been trying to convince some of the coaches that we need to just get the kids back is this last year has been a, like a long-term injury and you don't go from a long-term injury straight back into competition. Exactly. No, That's a good way to put it, John. Um, and, and ironically, maybe not so much ironically, but these feelings haven't come from sport. They've come from other sources, right? Perhaps yeah. the home. And it doesn't matter where they're coming from. If the kids come back to soccer, it's the coaches that are going to have to deal with them. Yeah. Right. And so if ever they needed tools to improve their ability to deal with mental well-being, psychological safety, however you want to spin it. If there's ever been a time they need to be acutely aware of the needs of these young people, it's now. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great point. And so really, this is the period we really need to be working our sports coaches on those life skills to yeah. bring children back into a safe environment. Well, and you know what? Kudos to Canada soccer, because if I had this conversation five years ago, it probably wouldn't be happening. Mm. Uh, kudos to the grassroots movement in Canada soccer that's being uh, led by uh, Jason DeVos and Dave Nutt, who 
if they were on this interview, would be saying pretty much the same things that you and I have been talking about and, and from the same perspective. And so good on them for being here at a national level and trying to create some standards around uh, making sure that grassroots kids involved in soccer have a positive experience. And that wasn't happening five years ago at the national level in soccer. No, and that's where I, I, I see this as a, a, a great reset as such. We need to get back to there because if we do, we like you've just said, we have more chance of creating those Alfonso Davis. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Swain, for your time and insight. This has been great. And I'm hoping that we do get sport back to exactly the grassroots essence of freedom and play that, you know, again, we're still exploring at our elder ages and through triathlon, you know, it's, it's, it's something that keeps driving me every morning when I get up to get out the door. Well, you know what? I'm grateful that we've got you in Alberta. Thanks. Uh, my grandkids are playing football, soccer. Uh, in this province and to know that people like yourself are kind of leading the charge from a grassroots level gives me um, makes me feel good it makes me feel grateful and it makes me feel hopeful so thank you for doing that John. No and thank you for your work and and support to hopefully changing the way the game's taken forward you know it's, it's an essential part to coach education that has never been there before and I think more and more people are now recognizing that important essence so Let's hope we can get back on the field and just enjoy the love of the game. Well, I look forward to the day, my friend. So thank you again, Wayne, for your contribution in this podcast. And it's great coming from two elder statesmen in athletics and hoping to influence a new generation. I thank everyone for listening. If you've got any questions in regards to the issues in this podcast, then please feel free to reach out to myself or Wayne McNeil at the Respecting Sport Group. And we truly do hope that we can get back on those fields again soon.